This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Okay, I'll reload it! They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Okay, tonight we have a great guest coming on with us, Steve from Wisconsin. He emailed me a few weeks ago, and I believe, Steve, you're in my Facebook group as well, right? Yes, I am. That's what I thought, because uh, when you contacted me, I believe you said that in the email, and so I went and looked you up, and I remember adding you to the group and all that stuff, so it was pretty cool to hear one of my, uh, I'd like to call them the OGs, the original gangsters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the people that you know I started doing all this kind of stuff with, uh, which is really cool to hear from you. You uh, sent me an email with a lot of information, and you said in the, in the beginning of the email, you said that you had to write this stuff down anyway, so you were going to write it down there, and you sent yep. me all that information, and uh, at the end of the email, you said, if you're still reading, <laughs> and I, I found that so funny, man, because I was like, well, it is a long one. I think I even told you it was like a novel, but yeah. um, it was yeah. great. It was great to read through, and I believe I used the, the assistance of Siri yeah, also, how did she, she do? How did... <laughs> she did good. I had to speed her up because she was uh, going a little slow. But once I sped her up a little bit, she she knocked it out. And it was nice. good for me to uh, multitask that way. But um, yeah, man, those those experiences that you told me about were pretty cool. And I definitely wanted to have you on the show. So basically, I guess what we're going to do tonight is we'll just start off with you telling your paranormal experiences. And then we'll walk into the UFO experiences as well, if that's if that works for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess um, since I have been a kid, like I've always really been uh, interested in paranormal stuff. Um, probably when I was younger, it wasn't so much of a interest, like um, like a fun interest. It was more like I was a little scared of stuff. I think most kids are, but uh, yeah, the the first. My first memory of anything kind of weird was when I was uh, probably somewhere in the range of like four to seven years old somewhere. Uh, It was in the the first house that I remember living in. And when we, um, we had, it was me and my sister slept upstairs in the two bedrooms upstairs. And in the hallway, there was like um, that old eighties shade carpeting and, uh, I was in the the bedroom at the end of the hall and um, in in the night. And I I think it was like uh, at times I would wake up because this happened more than one time, but at times I would wake up in the middle of the night. And as I was laying there kind of trying to go back to sleep, I would hear uh, footsteps in the hallway. Like, and since it's carpeting, it's not really uh, footsteps like 
clunking footsteps. It was like, uh, like if somebody was dragging their feet and I would just kind of lay there and listen. And it would, it sounded like it was, uh, farther down the hall coming towards my room. Like it was getting louder. And then, um, yeah, I would just lay there and wait, like kind of hold my breath and like, like listen to it. And then it would stop eventually. Like I would have my head covered up with the blankets and, um, I never, like, it was never my, my sister. She was in the room down the, down the hall, but, um, the times that I would hear her go to the bathroom, like it was, it was definitely distinct from what I was hearing, like this footsteps. So, you know, I can't explain it. I don't know what it was, but, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the first thing I remember. Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you about the, uh, the footsteps. Did she, now you said your sister made different sound footsteps. Could have been possibly any parents or anything like that. And and that question aside, you said that the footsteps sounded almost as if they were stepping on the shag carpet, right? Yeah, like okay. kind of dragging their feet. Like, well, just like when you walk down a, a hallway with shag carpeting, like it's shag carpeting, so you're you're bound to kind of scuff your feet against it as you're walking. So it just kind of made that sound. And um, yeah, my my parents, I think. When I got a little older, I think I did ask, tell my mom about it, and she kind of her eyes got kind of big and was like, "Um, <laughs> like I, you know, I don't, I don't think that would have been us. Like they, if they would have come upstairs, it would have been for a reason because their their bedroom was downstairs. So, um, yeah, it was kind of unexplainable. I don't know what it was, but I, I just know it did, it did scare me, you know, and so I you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. Like I, I believe that, um, I believe that there's another dimension out there. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, as I got older, you know, I just kind of chalked it up to being something trying to scare me, something not necessarily of this world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, I would be scared too as a kid when you hear footsteps and you do the process of elimination and you know who's in the house and you know what they sound like when they're moving around the house. Uh, I think that would scare any kid. And, I, you know, I find it funny because a lot of times this, these kind of things happen to kids. And, yeah. you know, it's just – it kind of gets frustrating because it makes you feel like kids are easy targets. Yeah, it's, it's kind of maddening because it's like, man, leave the poor kids alone. <laughs> but, yeah, I totally agree. Like I think – I think especially kids and then even some people just continuously through their life are just more aware and more sensitive to those things. And yeah, I don't know. So what was the next thing that happened? Um, the next, the next thing kind of chronologically that I can remember. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, so when I was probably, in my late teens, probably like 18 or 19, um, before I was old enough to go to the bars, uh, I would, uh, go to a 24 hour restaurant and just hang out with some friends and we would, uh, smoke cigarettes and drink coffee until the wee, wee hours in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, some of the guys that I met there, there was one guy that was, um, he was like a host and another guy was a cook there and they were friends from working together and they ended up getting an apartment together. So <clears throat> one night I was hanging out talking to them and they were telling me about their new apartment. And, um, the one guy was like, man, I think there's something on the blinds I found. And he's like, I think it's blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I think there's, there's like, it looks like something splattered on it. Like, and it totally looks like blood. So I was very intrigued and disturbed at the same time. And I was like, well, uh, mind if I come over and check it out? This sounds crazy. So um, I went I went over there one, one day. And when I went in the room, he was kind of telling me about the room and showing me different stuff. And um, sure enough, uh, there was 
on the blinds and the window. Um, he closed them and there's like, it looked like spray. And it was like that dark red kind of rusty color. And it was like a thin liquid, you know, like it really did look like dried blood. And the thing that was strange about it was um, on the floor in front of the window, there was a wooden floor. Um, and there was like the spot where there were indentations in the floor from what looked like if you were to take those old, like, I think probably seventies, eighties, um, kitchen chairs that were made out of like metal tubing. And if you had one of those that didn't have any feet on it, like any of the rubber stopper feet on them, it would, it would have just been the, the pipe, the tubing. And it looked like somebody had taken a chair like that and just picked it up and slammed it into the floor like multiple times. <clears throat> and it was kind of in that one spot right in front of that window. And then he was like, hey, and look up there. And I look up at the ceiling and there's a hole in the ceiling. And I'm a, I'm a gun guy. So I know what, and I, I'll be honest, man, it looked like, like a nine millimeter or maybe a 45 bullet hole size hole in the ceiling and i just remember after seeing all that stuff i'm like man maybe you should get a police officer <laughs> to look at this stuff because this is pretty crazy so <clears throat> considering all that he then proceeded to tell me how the i think it was one of the first times he was he slept in the room he got home from work he worked the night he worked at real late at night and he comes in in the morning and because it was like the first time, it must've been the first time he slept there because he said he came in and the light was on and he turned the light off and went over and lowered the blinds. And this is actually um, how he discovered the, the blood on the blinds was he, they didn't see it when they moved in because the blinds were pulled all the way up in that room. Well, he lowered the blinds and then he fell asleep and he, he said he woke up, he was having a dream that he was being choked. And when he woke up, he said it felt like somebody was, uh, like something was on his chest and like, like hands were around his neck choking him. And so he was, he like couldn't breathe and he, he was panicking and he finally got up the, energy or whatever, you know, like the power to sit up and he sat up and he said the feeling went away, but he, you know, it took him a while to catch his breath. He was like coughing and he went in the, uh, went into the bathroom and he looked in the mirror and there was, um, red marks on his neck and there was nobody else in the apartment. His roommate wasn't even there. And then when he went back into the room, that's when he flipped the light on with the blinds down and he saw, that blood on the blinds and he was just like he like ran out of there like freaked him out so bad yeah. because he's like I, he just had this crazy experience and then on top of it like he stood there and he looked at that the blinds for a minute and the longer he looked the more he kind of realized it looked like blood and it just scared the living daylights out of him so that would scare so that, me that's for sure yeah. i mean yeah, man. did he ever contact the police you know, I, after um, knowing those guys, it was kind of one of those, like, passing friendships. I don't know if they ever did get someone to go in there and look at it. Um, but one thing I do know about um, that was they said the guy's name who lived there before they did, and I knew the guy. He actually went to my high school, and, you know, not to uh, stereotype or anything, but he was like a a metalhead kind of guy with like the long black hair and wore like um, Slayer t-shirts and stuff, which is fine. But he was also like a really like angry and violent person. And those guys actually knew him too. And they, they said they knew for a fact that he was like, he claimed to be a Satan worshiper. So okay. I'm like, all that together. I'm like, this, this might be a crime scene. Maybe we shouldn't even be in here. Yeah. I wonder if the landlord even knew about it. I mean, with the blinds pulled up, if it, the landlord was just in a hurry to get somebody else in there, may never yeah. even pulled the blinds down. Right. 
that that'd be my guess because it was it was definitely enough that it was like a mess you know it wasn't just like oh there's a couple specs there like maybe that's what i don't know but no it was like it was like you see in movies like when a gunshot goes off and it's like you know like sprays the wall or whatever it was definitely a a splatter so but you know was it blood i don't know it just really looked like it yeah uh before we move into the security guard friend that you had was there any other experiences that they had in that apartment that were on the paranormal level like he woke up with marks around his neck did that ever happen again uh not that but one night um when i was there with the other roommate who did not have that happen to him um i was hanging out with them we were just watching i think we were watching like either some animated music videos or like anime or something that he he had and we were just hanging out talking and the other roommate he was at work and we were sitting there and there it was the second story of a house so when you walk into the front doors and the front doors are like two they were two big like heavy french doors but only one of them would open you know for coming and going and um so you'd walk open that door and right in front of you was like this the stairway going straight up to the upstairs um apartment and it was like an extra wide stairway too i remember it was like it was really unusual. It wasn't like a normal, a typical house that you would think of as being converted for upper and lower living. It was almost like built that way <clears throat> to be a, to be a duplex, but it was older. It was definitely an older house. And, um, so we were sitting there and, uh, we hear the door downstairs shut. So like somebody came in and shut the door. We heard the door close and then we heard, um, the footsteps, of someone coming upstairs and we're sitting there kind of waiting for the door to open. And he was like, Oh, that's weird. I wonder why I think his name was uh, Nate. It's like, I wonder why Nate's home. And we kind of sat there for a few seconds and nothing happened. So we kind of looked at each other and he was like, uh, hello. And waited a second. He's like, Nate, is that you? So when there was no answer, we, we both got up and we walked to the door and he opened the door, like flipped the, the light wasn't even on, which was also kind of weird, but he flipped the light on and opened the door and there was nothing there. And we never heard footsteps go back down. We never heard the door like open and close again. We distinctly heard the door close footsteps come up to the top of the stairs. And then that was it. Like we went and looked and nothing was there. So we were both like, Oh man, that is not normal. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a little chilling. So. Now, did you guys talk about that? What, what was his thoughts on it? Did he think it was a ghost? Yeah, he was definitely like open to that type of idea, especially considering I think both of them had come to accept the fact that there was something going on there. Like, between um, Nate getting his, you know, being choked and just, I think maybe some other stuff. Like, I think, I want to say um, they heard some other noises and stuff at times. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely one of those situations where nobody was really in denial about it, <laughs> you know, and there, it was pretty certain that weird stuff was happening there. So, yeah. I, I imagine. I mean, when you start putting two and two together, you just kind of accept it. Do you know if they stayed there very long? Um, I don't think so. I think it wasn't too much longer after that, and the one, the one guy joined. I think he joined the Navy or something, and so then they both moved out. I think, and I think that was only like literally a few months after they moved into it. So, okay, yeah, they weren't there very long. Gotcha. So I hope they warned the next people. <laughs> Probably not. 
but no. <laughs> talk to us about your security friend. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, uh, you know, probably, I mean, it was around that time. T- I, I knew that that was my friend, Chris. He's a very close friend of mine still is. And, um, he worked for a security company and he would get, um, assigned to different places. Um, one of the places was, a uh, an old mall, um, that was no longer being used as a mall, but there were some places that were like, uh, office spaces. So I would go, he worked, he always got put on third shift. So I would go, uh, I worked second shift. So when I was done, I would just go hang out with him and we would just explore this empty mall and just goof around and kind of be crazy in there. And after he was done there, he actually got assigned to a hospital that was also abandoned. And, but this, there was like nothing going on there. It was just kind of sitting there waiting for, um, I think they, they ended up converting it into, um, like retirement assisted living type places. Um, cause they built a big brand new hospital. So they went in and gutted the old hospital, um, took it looked like they pretty much took everything that could be used out of there and then there was still a bunch of stuff left there but they took most of it and then i think there was a there must have been a crew that went through and removed any asbestos like tiles and stuff like that because there was a lot of like ceiling stuff that was ripped up and uh but yeah it was i would go there and it was just him by himself there was like this little uh guard shack where he had, we call it the guard check, but it was like a room right off the main entrance that had, it was all windows. And then there was um, a wall of like TV monitors for the cameras and he would just sit in there. And so I went in there and we would just go explore um, the lights in the place. I mean, if you wanted to like, we really should have taken that opportunity to like do some kind of a movie or something because it was like the perfect, like zombie apocalypse set. Cause the, the, yeah. you know, how kind of trashed it was and um, the lights that did work were like, like half of the lights didn't work and half the lights that actually did work would like flicker. So it was, it was definitely like, uh, the the atmosphere you would need for getting creeped out but um yeah the first i remember the first time something weird happened there him and i were just kind of exploring we went down he told me he found the morgue so we went down into the basement of the hospital and um i don't know have you ever watched like uh urbex stuff on youtube urban exploration i haven't uh, it's it, it, people go find abandoned buildings and kind of uh, explore them. So right. when, yeah. Anyway, I've seen some of those videos and it reminds me of this. But um, but yeah, we were we were down in the basement and we checked out where the the morgue was and then we it was kind of like two like two wings to the basement. Like if you walk down the the stairs down the main stairs down there you would walk down this corridor that kind of went on a, it was kind of a inclined down. And then when you get to the bottom, you'd look left or right. And there'd be like a hallway, both directions that just super long hallway and then kind of rooms off of those. And so we walked down to one end and we were just kind of looking around in some of the rooms down there. And we turned around and we were heading back to go back upstairs and we got about halfway and I would say that from the, from where that hallway was, where you could look down either way, where we had to get back to, down to the end of the hall, either direction was probably like a hundred yards. Like it was, they were long hallways. So we're about halfway back and from behind where we just were, and there was nobody else in there. It's in the basement. There's no no drafts, you know, there's no like wind moving through there. All of a sudden we hear one of the huge heavy metal doors to one of the rooms back behind where we just were 
slammed like insanely loud and uh my my brave uh security guard friend he just took off running like full speed like it I, sw- I almost feel like he was running before it even slammed. That's how quick <laughs> he jumped into action. But he took off running, and you know, I, it it definitely made me jump. But you know, I guess part of my background is that you know I, I am a Christian, and I just feel like when it comes to this kind of stuff, uh, I tend, as opposed to kind of tending towards it being like a disembodied or whatever from a person who died there I look at a lot of that stuff as like a little like definitely spiritual but more from the demonic realm and I think um, it's just there was something and I guess the reason I say that is because my experience at that moment was like an instant uh, sense of peace because I know who I belong to and I just like I just started laughing and he, my friend Chris, he turns around and he looks back at me. You know, he's about 20 yards down the hall from me. He turns around and looks cause I'm laughing. He's like, dude, what are you, why are you laughing? And I'm like, man, it's fine. It's, it's not going to hurt us. It's okay. Like you're, it's okay. We don't have to. So anyway, it was just, it was funny, but at the same time, it was disturbing because, I mean, I don't have an explanation for it other than something other, you know, something else was down there messing with us. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. We went back upstairs and that was kind of it. Um, and then let's see. I think the next thing that happened was when he was by himself. He told me about it later. He was there by himself, sitting in his little guard cage. And just down the hall from from their security office, they had another room set up with um, a table that had, like, a, uh, a coffee maker and, um, like, hot cocoa and a bunch of other stuff. And he said he got up and walked down there and when he walked into the room, he said he went over and he, just as he went to pick up one of the cups, like he picked up, they were styrofoam cups. He picked up a cup and um, he said instantly he felt like the room dropped like 20 degrees, like your classic, you know, your classic story of a haunted, like the room temperature dropped like 20 degrees and he said he that was kind of it was weird, but it didn't like he did he but he definitely felt strange. So he went to um, oh, I'm sorry. At that point, then he had the the cup in his hand, and he said he felt as if something pushed against the like the cup was pushing into his hand, and he so he opened his hand to drop the cup. And the cup stayed in his hand, and it was like, if you can imagine the force of if somebody put their hand down in the cup and, like, pushed with their fingers against his hand, he said his hand actually moved, like, a few inches to the side from the pressure that was being pushed against it, and it scared him so bad. Like, he just shook his hand, and the cup finally fell, and he ran back to the security office and just locked himself in there and he didn't do any of the rounds that he's supposed to do that night. He just like, he was like, I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to come back here the next time I have to work. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, are you sure it wasn't, uh, so I played, you know, skeptic and I was like, are you sure it wasn't just like, cause you know, styrofoam cups, static. Maybe it was like a little static was keeping the cup on his hand. He's like, dude, I know what static is. And he's like, this was not static. It was something was pushing that cup into my hand. And, you know, I don't know. I believe him though. He, when he, even when he was telling it, he was like, I could tell he was like getting shook up just thinking about it. Cause he like, after he was done, he was like, like kind of shivered and was like, Oh, I hate, 
I hate thinking about it, you know? Yeah. So I think if I was me, I probably wouldn't go back there to work. But <laughs> I mean, I just don't like being messed with. I, this period, I, if you're messing with me, I, I'd rather just, I'd rather find a new place to work. So I know, man. And, and you know, I got to give him credit because he, as, as scared as he was always about that stuff. And like, whenever I was there, we would, we would talk about stuff and he'd be like, he kind of joked about being, um, like the wimpiest security guard in the world. <laughs> he's like, dude, if, if anything ever serious went down, he's like, what do I have? He's like, I've got a flashlight and some keys. He's like, I'm just going to throw my <laughs> keys at whatever and run. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's about all I can do. So, so, all right. That was with your security guard friend at yep. the, I believe it was an old hospital, right? Yep. Okay. So, what happened with the UFOs? Um, yeah, with the, let's see. I guess the first thing I could tell you about um, my dad, he actually had um, a few different interesting, like the first one is from back when he was in the Navy. He was um, stationed in, or he wasn't stationed, but he was on shore leave in, I believe it was San Diego. And him and one of his buddies, um, and this was back in, the, I would say, the early 70s. Like, it was during, like, he was in the, uh, he, he was served on a nuclear submarine. And it was during, like, towards the end of Vietnam. And <clears throat> so it was probably very early seventies, if, if not late sixties. And, uh, him and one of his friends, they were out, um, at a bar hanging out and some of the locals were talking about something. And, um, I guess it caught my dad's interest in it. So they were telling this story about, um, this place somewhere not too far out, out of the city, but kind of out, in the mountains, um, there's like a canyon out there and there was an A-frame house in this canyon where these people lived who, um, would come into town like every once a month or so. And I guess these people hadn't come into town for a while. And so they sent, uh, an officer out there to check on them. And when he didn't come back, they sent like a larger, force of people out there and I guess what was found was the A-frame house was like torn apart and um, there was no sign of anybody there like the family and the, the cop that was sent out there was gone but they did find some rather large footprints and a the officer's gun was on the ground and there was a footprint over the gun, and the gun was actually bent. Now remember, this is just a story that they heard. So, but I, I was like, "That's cool." It's like a kind of like a Bigfoot story, Sounds you know? Like to me. Yeah, yeah. So my dad and his friend were like curious. So they found out where this canyon was, and one evening, one afternoon, they decided to drive out there, and so they they got in their rental car and they drove out there and he said there was, it was basically like a Canyon where you're kind of driving the road lined one side of the Canyon. And it was like, not, not up at the top of the Ridge on the one side, but kind of halfway down or like, you know, down a little bit, there was still some Canyon that went up on the one side where the road was, but they got to the spot where they could kind of pull off and they found they saw like the old wreckage of this or the the ruins of this house that was down there so they actually found this location and they were just kind of hanging out and, he, and my dad said like the sun had gone down like it would it was just when the sun was going down when they got there so they got out of the car and they were just kind of sitting on the car uh hanging out and it was it was getting it was pretty much dark then and um and I always, you know, I, I asked him when he told me, I was like, so be honest with me, were you guys drinking or, you know, doing any drugs or anything? And he said they hadn't done, 
they hadn't been drinking or doing any drugs like he but they did have a six pack and they had both just cracked open the first beer and they were sitting there and all of a sudden on the on the one side of the canyon up above the 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 ridge they saw a light and they were both kind of, it was it kind of just appeared out of nowhere like all of a sudden there was this light and they were like huh that's weird is that is that like a you know they were trying to figure out if it was like the, a star or the moon they're like no nah, it's too big to be a star and it was um uh, they ruled it out being the moon and whatever but they're kind of looking at it and, he, and my dad said like it was almost as if like once they noticed it and were looking at it that's when it, it started to move so it actually started going down the side of the canyon. So it was going, it started descending down that, that side. And they're sitting there kind of watching this and they're trying to, at this point they're getting really confused because, you know, they couldn't hear anything. They were like trying to figure out like, is that a helicopter or, you know, like, what is that? So, um, they couldn't hear any noise and it's just kind of going steady speed down the side of this canyon. And it did, he said it did kind of move side to side, um, and a little bit, but he said it always, he described it as if like, uh, like if you had a headlight pointed directly at you, like that was kind of the, what it looked like. And he said it, it continually looked like that. Like it never looked like it pointed in a different direction. It just stayed consistent the whole way down and then it kind of weaved through there's like rocks and trees and stuff he's like so there's no way it was a helicopter because helicopters would crash like if they attempted insane maneuvers like that but it's coming down as it got to the bottom uh, you know they start they started to get kind of nervous about it because they're like what is this and it was heading it started heading it was like basically going right for them so they um as it as it got to the bottom and it kind of like disappeared like they couldn't see it anymore but they could tell it was still coming towards them like over the edge where they could see they couldn't it disappeared so they decided to book it out of there so they jumped in the car and took off as fast as I think he said it was like kind of a junky little Toyota or something. And so they floored it and, you know, wasn't that impressed with how fast it went. He wished it would have gone a little faster. So they they took off and, you know, they got just a little bit down the road and they were, you know, looking behind the car and this thing came up onto the road still like it was pointing at them. And it, chased behind them like it was following them and it almost it like it was like coming and my dad was like freaking out and just before it would have like got to them he said it went up and over and like out of sight on the uh, like up the rest of the way on that side of the canyon and that's his story i'm <laughs> did he ever not- say that he saw any kind of physical object other than the light Nope, it was just the light. Yep. Wow. That's that reminds me of a story that I heard. I think it was episode two. Uh, I believe Roger, when he was looking with his buddy, it was nighttime, and they saw a light. And I think he said, once they acknowledged the light, it seemed like it knew they they saw it, yeah. and it actually came towards them. And he actually uh, saw it up close, like very up close. And, um, it's incredible stuff, man. Like, yeah. You know, people describe these things as discs or triangles. Uh, I had a guy on the show who described it the size of a football stadium. I mean, that's incredible. So these things are very, you know, unidentified, you know? Yeah. In many ways, like, and they, they vary so much, you know, from, from one story to the next, but yet there is consistency. That's, that's the crazy thing. It's like, you have stories about the triangle ones and there's tons of stories about those. And then there's also a lot of stories that are very similar to what my dad saw. And so I, you know, are they all related? I, I don't know. I, I tend to think so, but you know, yeah, I, 
unidentified. <laughs> yeah. Now, did your dad ever tell you any more information about that first story that got him out there? Because I'm curious, did they ever find the police officer? I mean, no, you know, that that's kind of all he remembers of the story. And I told him, I was like, you know, what would be cool is to try to like figure out where, you know, and he doesn't even remember like the name of the Canyon or anything. Cause I was like, that'd be cool to go back to like that year and maybe try to find like a newspaper article or something about this story that they were talking about. Um, but yeah, no, there was, that was pretty much all the information he had was just kind of, that secondhand story about the details that he did get. So, wow, that must be scary. It must be scary when you're getting pretty much chased by some of these things. Yeah, man. I, man, it gives me chills. And I, I just, I love when he tells the story just because it's like, you just almost hurt your brain trying to figure out what it could have been. And there's just no explanation, you know? Yeah. So, so I think you had one more story, right? One more yeah. UFO story? Yep. For my, uh, actually, my dad saw a couple more, uh, which, you know, I don't, you know, he doesn't go out looking for this stuff. He just happened to be at work on two separate occasions. He saw one where he was, uh, he worked at a printing company and they would go out on this uh, fire escape that was pretty high up. So you could kind of see over the, over the city, you know, there's kind of like a, a good view up there and they would go get some fresh air out there. And he was standing out there and he saw kind of in the direction of the lake. This was in, um, I lived in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So, um, this was over Lake Winnebago and, um, he saw a light in the sky that was very, bright and um it's he said all of a sudden it just dropped straight down like it just went straight down and he was very confused by that (laughs) it's like i don't know what that was and that and but that was like kind of a bright whitish light and then on a separate occasion he was standing out there again and he actually saw what I think a lot of people kind of refer to as the orbs where, and this sounds actually very similar to the, the one that I saw that I'll tell you about. But, um, he said he watched over from one direction and he could, he named the street where it came from, but he said all of a sudden out of the corner of his eye, he saw something he looked and it was, uh, like a ball. He said it was like a glowing, like greenish blue ball that was traveling like down the street above the ground down the street and it went down and it went between a couple of buildings and then it disappeared. And he's like, it just moved at a steady kind of a, you know, not slow, but not fast, you know, just a steady pace and just kind of disappeared. And again, he's kind of just left scratching his head. So there was that. And, um, my mom has seen a couple. Um, she's had a couple different experiences. Um, I guess the, I'll just tell you the, the biggest one, uh, was one night she was at my sister's apartment. Um, I think it was, um, 2000, was it early or mid two thousands? And she was at, she was at her apartment and it had just, I think it was like just after sunset and she was leaving her apartment. It was in February, I believe. So it was winter and she walked out to her car and her car was like, she had to walk South to her car and in the West to her right. Um, she kind of saw like light. And so she looked up and she saw, um, I think she said it was five lights in a row that were like in the sky. And she said that it just seemed strange. So she kind of stopped and looked and she was kind of trying to figure out, well, what is that? You know? And so she's looking at these, these lights and 
she said all of a sudden it after so again like after she's looking at it now for several seconds they were stationary and all of a sudden she said they started moving in her direction like i'm not exactly like sure like what she means if it like was moving directly at her or just kind of she could tell they were moving east in the sky but towards like directly towards her and they were coming really fast like they're kind of steady and then i think she said they got uh, they got faster and then she said at at this point she said she felt she felt fear set in that this whatever this was was going to crash into her like that's kind of the feeling she got from the direction these things were moving and she was really straining to see like what was between the lights like if she could make out like any kind of a like what like a plane or a craft you know like something connecting the lights and um she she can't remember if she ever did but she said all like as they were coming and at the point where she like she kind of closed her eyes and just braced for impact. Like that's how crazy this was. And she said nothing happened. So she looked up and there was nothing. So she was obviously shaken up by this. So she goes back in to my sister's apartment and she was like, uh, my sister was on the phone and she was like, Jen, Jen, get off the phone. I got to tell you something. Like, I just saw something. You have, like, so my, my sister's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? So she hangs up the phone, and my mom explains what she just saw to her, and my sister was kind of like, okay. And so they went around, so they were going around to the different windows, looking up into the sky to see if they could see this thing again. And my mom had told her kind of what direction this thing was in, and um, so... Uh, my sister actually had the window that faced west was behind a couch that she had. So she was like standing on the couch and she was kind of ducking down, you know, looking up into, you know, seeing, trying to get the best angle to look up in the sky. And I guess as, as she was able to kind of look up, she suddenly said, Oh my gosh, is that it? And my mom went over there and she looked out the window and she's like, yes, that's it. And so here, this string, this, you know, these five lights, or I think it was five were back over. And uh, like, it scared my sister. Like she, cause it was again, very strange. Like it didn't look like anything and that sh- she could recognize. So she, she actually jumped back off the couch cause she was startled by it. And she ended up hurting her foot <laughs> doing that. But you know, the thing that was, that's cool about that is that my sister and my mom both saw it. So I think in those situations, it's so nice to have that second person see it so that you can be like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like I saw that, you know? And yeah, that was, that was kind of the, the craziest one. Yeah. That's incredible. Now, did your mom say that she heard anything as, as it was coming closer to her? Yeah. No noise, nothing like that and it was like a real still clear um I'm trying to think if it was i think it was overcast too so that was the other thing that really made it strange too was that or ruled out being stars or anything because it was overcast wow yeah so let me ask you a question here yeah. when it comes to ufos what do you think people are seeing now i think that there could be several things going on here uh i hear a lot of different stories but according to what your dad described to you and what your mom described to you and what you've looked into this far along your path what do you think these things are um well i mean I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty solid in, in my faith and what I, what I believe about, um, the Bible being, 
um, the truth and being um, the Word of God. And um, there's enough enough in there that um, that has shown that that I guess I have come to see as as truth just based on um, like prophecy and various things uh, that that just proved the, the Bible and, and what it says and just kind of God's work in my own life. And I just see the, um, I see a lot of stuff as kind of black and white. You know, I don't think that there's kind of this, I don't think God has left stuff out that we, that we can't, I, th- I think there's some stuff that obviously um, it's not explicitly in the Bible, but I do believe that the Bible gives us an indication on on things of the supernatural, and I kind of tend towards um, if it's not from God, if it's not glorifying God, if it's not um, you know something supernatural that's that's kind of like I guess along the lines of like miracles or something like that. If it's something that scares you or something that um, kind of is deceptive, and I just I just tend towards believing that that is something from the the other side of that equation, um, and so I would say that some of the UFO stuff out there that people see may be some kind of technology. Um, I'm kind of in the camp where I do believe that a lot of the real high-tech stuff that we have could potentially be some kind of fallen angel technology. I mean, I, it's just when you look at the, the rate at which um, technology has just soared over the last 100 years um, exponentially, it's just it's hard not to think that there's something influencing that or or kind of feeding that technology, that knowledge to us as, as, as humans. I don't know. There's a lot of people that say, well, that's that it's aliens, but I guess it's been my personal experience that I don't, I don't believe that aliens from another planet are visiting us. I think that's, I think that's, um, I don't know. I think it's a deception. And some of the lights, I think, are, I don't know what the purpose of it would be, but I do believe that it's from that, kind of that dimension, like it's kind of extra dimensional, you know, like something that's going on that we can't see. And I, you know, because I do believe that that there's a a spiritual world, that there's there's kind of a, a battle going on right now for for humanity. And I think that maybe some of that might be part of that. I, I really don't know a hundred percent, but that's just my, my gut feeling on it. Um, I got you. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I hear different theories all the time and, you know, anywhere from what you have said to, uh, you know, government aircraft that we don't know about yet, uh, yeah. to, you know, UFOs being alien and things like that. I mean, one thing's for sure is this, that you mentioned the last hundred years, how technology has advanced. I mean, scratch the last hundred years, just do the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's incredible. It's 15 years ago, what we're doing here wasn't even yeah. thought of, you know? It was on, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing some of your experiences with the group of people that we have listening tonight. And, uh, you know, if you ever have anything you'd like to share, just you know, give me a call. Yeah. Right. Will do. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, man. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. And I hope you enjoyed the perspective that Steve was able to offer tonight. You know, he didn't experience all the things he shared, but rather the people around him did. They shared the story with him, and he was able to relay the story back to us. Until next week, friends. Take care.
This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. 